you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast, a podcast about video games, community, culture, and industry. I am Jared, also known as Ja, and I'm here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello! Hey, and Nick is not with us this week, but we hope we will have him back soon. Ish. 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 Um, this is episode number 14, and uh, today we are going to be talking about used games. Um, you know, what their effect is on the industry, what's happening with them right now. So we're going to talk about that. But before we get started, I'd like to welcome anybody listening for the very first time. Thank you very much for checking out the MASHcast. Um, yeah, that's about it. I don't even know what I usually say after that. Like, well, thanks for checking out the MASHcast. Because for Watchpoint Radio... I have some other stuff to say, like, you know, if you're new to the show, this is what the show's about. This is not about Overwatch League. This isn't about this, that, and the other. No, nah, we it's change it all unity. the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for this show. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for taking the time to listen to the MASHcast. We hope you enjoy the show. Um, you can follow us on Twitter if you want to keep up with what's going on with Mash's Buttons and MASHcast at MTB site on Twitter. Uh, before we dive into the topic, let's catch up with our host. That'll be me and Christina, by the way. Hi. Um, see, <laughs> <laughs> see what we've been doing, uh, you know, in game. So, you know, how has your uh, your recent gaming been going, Christina? I'm so ashamed. You should go first because I go first. Really? Okay. Uh, for me, I'm trying to think. I mean, I've been playing, obviously, a lot of Overwatch because of WPR. But more recently, um, I've actually just been the only game I've actually been playing is Dead Cells, like other than Overwatch. Like I haven't even like I have a game open right now. I have um Dishonored Death of the Outsider that I was gonna I think I talked about it last show. Mm-hmm. Did I talk about Death I think so? I was I I started playing and I mean it's a good dishonored game, but I really don't have a hook to pull me back in. I think it has a lot to do with that chaos system that I was talking about. The chaos system isn't there. There's not really any repercussions for my actions. The computer's not going to kill me. Like, I'm going to kill everybody else, and there's no repercussions for that at all. There's really no reason for me to ghost stealth besides wanting to ghost stealth. And I think that may be one of my issues that is just not pulling back. It's a good game, and I'll get back to it, but eh. Well, they're not been playing Dead Cells, the... Uh, controversial well, it's not a controversial game it's a game that had controversial reviews you know yeah that was pretty bad too, <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna get too deep into that no need for opinions on facts <laughs> you know when Damn. somebody plagiarizes that is it but um that game i'm not a huge fan of roguelike games generally speaking um now that I dislike them, there are a couple that I think are pretty cool, like Sub-Level Zero. I absolutely love Sub-Level Zero. I actually play um, one roguelike game, and that's Dungeon of the Endless, which is 
super fun because like the soundtrack's so pretty and it's so calming and stressful at the same time. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about roguelikes that like sometimes they just feel too stressful for me. Like I can't die because I'm gonna lose all this stuff and that's it. Dead Cells is different because even if you die, well, you will die. <laughs> even when you die, it doesn't feel that bad because you've still made some progress, right? You know, as you're killing things, you get cells and you can take those cells and you can uh, trade them in for abilities and weapons and stuff like that. Permanent stuff. So, like, one of the upgrades you can get is that you see, like, you can save up to 3,000 of the of the currency when you die. Like, it's sitting there in a sack when you come back. And there's another upgrade where you get 6,000. There's another one where you, uh, uh, you know, you can buy uh, blueprints for certain weapons or, you know, different mutations and things like that. Like, it always feels like you're progressing even when you're dying. Is it like Dark Souls? When you die, you lose yourself and you can come back and pick it up? No, you cannot do that. So when you like, die, yeah, you like, lose your stuff. Yeah, everything you had for that run, it's gone. Unless you and, use it to upgrade. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, you can still randomly pick the stuff up, right? Right. Like, for example, one of the things you could buy is the, is the ability to have one of your... So when you start the game, you have, like, a, a melee weapon, like a sword, and then when you walk through the first door, you can either pick up a shield or you can pick up a bow, but they're both, like, starter types of weapons, right? Well, you can upgrade that with one of the with the guy who takes the cells so that instead of only having the base options, now when you walk out that door, there might be an there's probably gonna be an upgraded weapon there instead. You know. You're making me want to play this now, because that's why I don't like yeah. roguelikes, because I feel like I make no progress when I die. No, like it feels like you're making progress. Even when I lose my <sighs> weapons, like enemies drop weapons like and over time they just get stronger and stronger and stronger so you pick up the stronger weapons that you like so no it like it, it definitely always feels like you're making progress what you're really looking for is runes because runes give you permanent upgrades that that change the way you play the game right so the first rune you get makes the uh it's like i don't know if it's supposed to be try tree or bacteria i can't tell because it's pixelated but there's like um the uh, one rune you get, it gives you the ability that when you see this little green thing on the ground, you go up to it, you hit like R1. I'm playing with a controller. You hit like R1 and it grows and you can climb it. That changes where you can get to in the game. You know, that totally changes where you can get to in the game. Then there's another rune that have that allows you to use these devices that let you teleport around to areas that you couldn't get to. And that changes it. So, and I mean like that in a very literal sense, like in the very first. I think every map has two exits. And f- the very first map, you can do normal means, you can only get to one exit. But once you get that first rune, now you can get to the second exit. You know, and that second exit may have a rune in the next room for you. Same thing with the with the level that was used to be the second level that I thought was the, it was just the order the game went. There was a rune I needed to get in order to get to a completely different area that allowed me to go out a different door and go into a different part of the game. So, yeah, that's what you're really looking for is runes. And then those are kind of tough to get because whenever you go to find one, you know where it is because a big, um, there's like a banner that has a skull head on it and a direction. Like, when you go down here, shit's going to get real. Oh, <laughs> like, it tells you what's going on. And those are kind of, those are more tough to get. But even just along the way, you get blueprints of weapons, 
which you take those blueprints and then you take the guy who uh, trades in the cells, you can make those blueprints actual weapons for yourself. So I would get it. It's a really, really, really fun game. You always feel like you're making progress. Like, you know, I did hurt my soul one time when I had 46 souls and I died. And I was like, I'm going to walk away from this game right now. <laughs> no, it's it's pretty dope. I, I do enjoy Dead Cells. So that's the only thing I've really been playing, to be honest with you, besides Overwatch. And honestly, I probably played Dead Cells a little bit more because, like, I can... It, sometimes these runs only take, like, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Like, I know I'm only going to get so far. And and then on top of that, you wherever you stop and turn the game off is where it saves. So you can always just go back to where you were. Oh, that's nice. Yep, it is a roguelike. That's still a roguelike, but it definitely feels more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It definitely feels like you're making progress. Unlike a lot of roguelikes. So, so now you want to tell me what you're embarrassed that you've been playing about? Okay, so. As you know, I picked up Octopath Traveler, and I was super, super excited, and I am only in Chapter 2. I've done one main, like, one storyline in Chapter 2, and I'm on the second out of eight, so I have not been making progress on that. Um, I have not been making progress in Final Fantasy. I've just been selling stuff and not doing dungeons and not doing the Monster Hunter event because I bought Pokemon Crystal. And I'm playing that on my my DS. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> these new games that you were looking forward to and new events have been trumped by an old game. By Pokemon Crystal. Did they, did they re-release that or something? They or? re-released it like a couple of months ago. And I've been watching these like randomizer um, races between like two popular, well, one popular person in the Pokemon community and one popular speedrunner. Um, and I've been obsessed with watching them. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get Pokemon Crystal. And I've been doing a lot of that. I played Plants for Zombies because I redownloaded that on my phone. They really need to have that come out on the Switch, by the way, because that would be great. Um, yeah, so I've been playing everything I shouldn't be playing instead of everything I should be playing. So that's my update for the week. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I feel you. We know what Nick's been playing. Well, and I mean, actually, when the show, by the time the show comes out, um, Battle for Azeroth will have come out. So, yeah, I mean, I feel for him because when Stormblood came out, it took two weeks off to play Stormblood, and you know, sometimes when you like take off time to play a game, and you're like, okay, I need to take a little bit of a break from this. I've been playing this nonstop. I didn't do that once. I don't even think I went to sleep or took a shower or anything. I just sat in that chair, and yeah, it was really bad. I did shower. I'm well, kidding. I, I would not not shower. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was really bad, and I'm not looking forward to whatever they come out with next year, because you know I'm just going to lose my life again for another two weeks or well, longer. Is it really losing your life if you're enjoying yourself? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's still okay. Right. I could be doing more productive things. Yeah. I uh, I would say making progress and your highly social game is pretty that that's being pretty fucking productive. 
Yeah, I guess. You know what? I do talk to people in game. I am social. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Me and John making you feel good about playing video games. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and hop into the name main topic here. Let's talk about used games. And I think I brought up this topic. As you know, we usually don't just bring up a topic. Usually something happens and we, you know, kind of talk about it. Um, an event happened recently, very recently, where Bethesda... Uh, or the legal arm of Bethesda sent out a cease and desist to an Amazon seller. A guy named Ryan Hupp was trying to sell a copy of The Evil Within 2 as new because it was unopened. Bethesda sent him a cease and desist letter and threatened a lawsuit. So when asked why you know they would do that, like are they blocking used games, Bethesda says, Bethesda, and this is their quote, Bethesda does not and will not block the sale of pre-owned games. The issue in this case was that the seller offered a pre-owned game as new on the Amazon marketplace. We do not allow non-authorized resellers to represent what they sell as new because we can't verify that the game has been, hasn't been opened and repackaged. This is how we protect buyers from fraud and ensure our customers always receive authentic new product we, with all endorsed materials and warranty intact. In this case, if the game had been listed as pre-owned, this would not have been an issue. Okay. So, I understand what they're saying. I actually even agree with what they're saying. Like, okay, fine. You want to make sure... Like Bethesda wants to make sure that when somebody buys a new game that it has everything that is supposed to be with it and they cannot hold Amazon sellers responsible the way they can hold GameStop, Best Buy, stuff like that. I totally get that. However, going straight to cease and desist and threatening a lawsuit is a bit is it's too much. They could have just as easily sent an official like letter to him like this game is listed as new, you need to change it to pre-owned. If you do not do so, we will you know also they can even send the cease and desist because they want the person to stop immediately right but in the cease and desist they can list what the actual problem is which is that you have a listed as new it should be listed as pre-owned we don't care that you never opened it we don't care if you never opened it we can't verify whatever then we have to put that in but say if you put this as pre-owned then it changes it's a, it's a different ball game as opposed to cease and desist lawsuit go ahead so, yeah, I see you got something to say, Christina. <laughs> so, but my question is, would, would that f- fix it? Like, would they have to open it first to be able to sell it as pre-owned? Because there's some places, like, as you say, GameStop, I'm not sure if Best Buy has the same rules. Uh, you try to sell a game that's pre-owned and it's still sealed. Like, it's not pre-owned. It has to be open in order to take it. So I wonder if if it would actually have to be opened as well to be considered pre-owned, or if it's literally just a title change that's like, pre-owned game, that's never been opened. I think it's just a title change, because those rules exist at Best Buy and GameStop, I believe, because they want to make sure, one, what's in the package is actually there, right? right. They have to, GameStop and Best Buy have to verify that what you're selling them or what you're trading in is actually the game. So they're going to open it anyway, and then they're going to have to sell it as a pre-owned game. I don't think that's like a law or a rule or anything like that. Uh, Jaw's not a lawyer, so I could be wrong. <laughs> but I, what? that's what I, I, I think is the case. With this, I think it's just a title change. They want people to know that this is not new in the aspect that it definitely has everything that's supposed to come with it. It may or may not. It is pre-owned. 
That's I, I understand it. That's what they're trying to do. And it makes a lot of sense because if most people, if they get a game that's labeled as new and it doesn't have what it's supposed to have in it, the first person they're going to go to through is, is Bethesda, you know, rather than trying to track down this guy who's sold, selling one copy of The Evil Within 2. I get it. Well, that's you not know. even so. The way that that stuff works too is if you try to go to the manufacturer, they'll ask you for a proof of purchase. An Amazon proof of purchase from like a third party person isn't going to get you anywhere because there's no proof of purchase that you actually purchased that game through an authorized retailer. Um, so that's another issue I think that they have there too. Well, there's plenty of authorized like resellers on Amazon. Like people sell like they like. People who Bethesda deals with directly, if they, they can sell their stuff on Amazon. Right. That's why I said authorized. You know, authorized, right, yes. yeah. So, yeah, no, you, that's the thing. Like, you know, like you said, they can't, there's really no way for them to, once the sale is already done, you know, there's no way for them to, like, kind of reinforce it. So, I'll say, I get that. I get exactly what they're saying. I'm just think, I just think the way they went about it was the wrong way. Yeah, they were definitely a little harsh um yeah i don't know it's 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 weird when like companies talk to specific people and not like to a company in general because i feel like if they were to say something like that to uh an authorized person um and they gave them a cease and desist because they were doing something stupid that they shouldn't be doing that's fine but when it's like a single individual person it's like well there's no rules for these why are you being such a dick like i just don't want this anymore (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Their legal department should be, uh, you know, set up to, they should probably, if this is such a problem, this is an issue, they should be set up in a way where they can explain what the actual problem is. Like their cease and desist letters should be, you know, something they just kind of pump out and it has, this is like, you are, this is a cease and desist letter. You immediately need to stop selling what you're doing. And this is why you have it labeled as new. It should be pre-owned. If you move it to pre-owned, we don't have a problem. Well, I don't think so they said that it, you know. in their cease and desist because they had an update that came through that was like, well, this is what Bethesda says as to why um, why it's not that, allowed. That's what I just read. But yeah. I don't know if that's in the cease and desist. That's because what the I'm guy saying. Said he, yeah, I don't yeah. know because the, if that was in the actual cease and desist, I think the guy would have been able to actually speak to that. Like the guy who was in trouble, he was like, I don't understand what the problem is because he didn't understand why they were targeting him. If they put in the cease and desist that it was because it was it was labeled listed as new and not pre-owned, he then he's either an idiot, which could be a case, or like you know he actually like you know he he didn't know. So that's I, I don't think that that that's what they did. Another thing um, too is I haven't seen this from any anybody ever. And you know stuff like that happens all the time. People get things as a gift. They don't want it. They'll sell it as new. Like, that. this definitely can't be the only instance that this has happened. So why now? Right. Now, if he was selling it, like, uh, I don't know what he what price he was selling was, it at. Yeah. If he was selling it at full price as new, that, okay, that gets, you get a little bit sticky there. But if, like, uh, you know, he was selling it for 40 bucks, you know, because he was trying to get rid of it. Um. Yeah, I don't like. I think Bethesda that was just too harsh of a response from Bethesda. Um, which kind of like it kind of sucks for me because I've been singing Bethesda's praises for the past like two years now. Um, because they're making awesome shit. Like they are. I will. I, I'll fight you. They're the undisputed king <laughs> of first-person shooters. Like they are right now 
And for the past, like since at least 2014, they have been undisputed king of, tw- uh, of first person shooters. You know, so like yeah, they've been doing a great job with their games and stuff like that. I mean, I don't care too much about the Elder Scrolls, even this new Blades mobile game, whatever. But the shooters they've been putting out, I I have nothing but praise for them. You know, so it kind of sucks when a company does something like that. Um, Nobody's to perfect, an individual though. gamer. To be What's fair, that? nobody's perfect though. To be fair, you could dig out anything from any company and be like, "Oh wow, why did they do that?" Like everybody's gonna have something. I think this is their Maybe, something right now. But this is happening now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, so like it, 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 it kind of sucks when that happens, but, but yeah, I mean that wasn't the main thing we we're gonna talk about here. Uh, what we did want to talk about a bit is uh, used games and how that's kind of affected things for, you know, gamers in general and stuff like that. Uh, because used games is, it's been around for a while. And even when it first started happening, everybody's like, oh, great. I can, you know, sell my old games and get some money toward my new games. But there's a lot of negatives that come into to, to play when it comes to used games on the consumer side, it may seem like it's not that big of a deal, but with what we're going to discuss, hopefully you will see that it is a bigger deal than a lot of people think it is. Um, so I mean, GameStop's been doing, even before GameStop, I think what was it? Funko land. That's Funko, that used games? Funko land. And then I think Babbage's was around, which was what GameStop was before they were GameStop. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, but I don't know if before those companies somebody else was doing used games. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. But the first used game uh, company I know of was Funko Land. Um, I remember Funko Land, but I was a little too young, or maybe not alive yet, for it to come out. So, this, so. <laughs> there were there were th- let's talk let's, let's let's go back in time a little bit. But there were three big game retailers, right? There was Funko Land. There was Babbage's and software, et cetera. Um, at some, they are all the same company at this point. They're all GameStop now. Right. But um, I think software, et cetera, became, what was the GameStop competitor that they bought? EA? Or EB Games? Sorry. EB Games? Yeah. I think, I think software, et cetera, became EB Games. I think Babbage's bought Funko Land and became GameStop. I was young while this was happening. Like, I can't remember exactly. All I remember is these stores disappearing and new stores popping up. I mean, I know GameStop is those stores because you can walk into a GameStop and they still have, like, the Funko Land floors and drawers somehow, like, 20 years later. Um, yeah. So. Because the, the latest acquisition was EB Games getting bought and, like, being mm-hmm. merged into mm-hmm. uh, GameStop. That was, that was, like, the last thing. But, you know, back then, like, you know, you would sell used games and Funko Land's big thing was that you can come in and try out the games before you buy them, which was a huge deal at the time. I mean, that's how old I am because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't happening before. Um, but basically like the used games thing from a consumer perspective, which is a great idea, especially for parents, especially for parents, because be like, okay, you could trade these games in that this, this, this kid's not playing and get new games at a, at a cheaper price. The, GameStop, I don't think that was GameStop's main, or let's just say GameStop. I'm not going to call Funko Land and EB Games and fucking, uh, you know, software, et cetera. I'm just going to say GameStop, because that's what they are now. 
when they started doing that, I don't think it was their main objective to make it like one of their primary sources of income. Because for anybody who doesn't know, um, for retailers, software sales and hardware sales just don't generate that much money. Nothing. You get like 15% off of them, which is like Mm -hmm. off of a new game, like 15% is what, like 10 bucks maybe? Yeah. Yeah. 10 bucks basically. Yeah. So it doesn't generate that much money. But what does generate money is when people bring a, a game in that they've already played, they trade it in, you give them 20 bucks for it, and then you turn around and sell it for $55. That's a nice, that's a nice chunk, chunk of change right there uh, that you just made off that game more than when you sold it the first time. You know, So eventually they realized that these used games that they were selling were just bringing in so much money. And uh, I cannot, I was looking for it on Google, but I can't remember how much money, I think it was 2011 or 2012 specifically. Uh, I can't remember how much money GameStop brought in, but it was unbelievable to the point that the Wall Street Journal reported on it. Uh, it was like a few billion dollars just in used game sales. You know, just in used game sales. And it got the attention of Best Buy and Target who could have been going to use games at any time, but this number made them say, oh, shit. Like, you know, we we need to get into this right now. And actually, let's see, what was it, 2018? So let's see, 2017, GameStop used sales. I mean, I've never even used Best Buy's pre-own anything. I don't know what their their regulations are on that. Does Does Target still do that stuff? Yeah, I don't know if Target does it. Um, I'm pretty sure they do. But I know Best Buy still does it right now. Um, Best Buy had got got to be honest with they always gave better value for their used games. I'm, I'm looking at like just last year it was 218 million on pre-owned and value game products and value video game products. But the profit margin here we go. This is important because the profit margin was like 46%. Yeah, I was going to say their profit margin is around 40 to 50% depending on on what they're selling. Right. Yeah. So they make a, a good chunk of change. And so therefore they have great incentives for you to buy. They have a, a really good incentive for you to buy used versus buying new. They want you to buy used versus buying new. Especially and with that's like... Where the openness of it too because with the pre-owned their big thing is if you buy it you can try it if you don't like it you can bring it back with new you can't do that with pretty much any retailer won't let you bring back a new game for just to return it if it's already open right so that's where the problem starts to come in where GameStop started to really uh, their sales tactics or the tactics in the company really started to push used sales over new sales I don't know if they're still doing this. I mean, Christine talked about this in pre-show, but they used to, you know, uh, they would only bring in, they would bring like the amount of games that they got had pre-ordered, right? And then only a few extra new games because what they wanted is for people to get their games, uh, maybe buy a couple new games, but then when they were done with the game, just come back and trade it in and then they could just keep recycling those games like basically anytime somebody would go into the store and say hey i want x game oh we don't have that new but we have it used you know that's kind of what they would do that was a while back and i don't know if they're still doing that now or not i mean i think their mentality is still the same where 
bring in a game as soon as you beat it, you'll get like a higher value from it. But I think they definitely get a lot more product than what it used to be because I think people did start complaining about it and it became a big thing Um, because you'll see new games come out and they'll unless it's it's like one of those games that nobody expects to blow up and it blows up and you can't find it. I think Shadow of Mordor did that like nobody was expecting that game to like be as good as it was and it came out and nobody had it. So unless it's something like that or like an anime game, they normally have it. So, yeah, I mean, like, the, well, there's two things happening. Like, well, you know, one thing maybe people complain, but two, the fact that their competitors always had the games available. Mm-hmm. You know, like, in the early 2000s, yes, there was a really good reason to pre-order games. And GameStop partially caused that to happen where they just wouldn't pull in enough new copies, you know, to, to cover what they knew would be the main. Like, there's no reason Halo 2 should have been, you know, uh, you know, only pre-orders and then 10 additional copies, which at the time, my friend was a manager at a GameStop and she only got, you know, all the pre-orders plus 10 copies of Halo 2. <laughs> you know, that was, you know, that, that's ridiculous. Um, there was no reason for that. But I mean, I would say by uh, by the mid-2000s, that problem had gone away because you could just walk into a Best Buy, you could walk into a Target and get whatever game you wanted. And I think that put a lot of pressure on to, to GameStop. Like, there was no reason to pre-order games at that point. That's actually when pre-order bonuses kind of started. Because before, there was no pre-order bonuses until people stopped running out of reasons to pre-order. Now you, you pre-order for the bonuses, essentially. See, I wish pre-order bonuses were better than what they've been. Like, <laughs> I feel like you pre-order a game, you get some outfits and a poster. Like before, oh, yeah. you used to get like some really awesome, like physical things, some really cool keychains. Like they kind of do that now, but it's not as good as it, it was. So a lot of people don't care about pre ordering things anymore, especially since digital is so big. Like why most people don't exactly. want to go out to a store and wait for the game to come out when they can just sit on their couch and so lazy. <laughs> exactly. So. You know, we mentioned earlier that this had some negative effects on the industry. Like, what what the fuck are we talking about? You know, even from a consumer perspective, it has had negative effects on consumers. And we're going to get into that. So, if you haven't guessed by now, game developers and publishers do not get money from pre-owned game sales. They don't. When GameStop sells that game the first time, that's when the developer and publisher get their money. Or more say, I'm going to actually say a publisher because the developer has already been paid. Uh, but the the publisher starts to get their money back from that game. The second time GameStop sells the same exact game, that's all GameStop minus whatever they paid in they, they paid for the trade in. You know, so let's say the trade in was twenty dollars, and I wish the average trade in at GameStop was fucking twenty dollars. Um, you know, and then they turn around and sell the game for fifty five bucks. Uh, you know, that was a thirty five dollar profit they essentially just got on that game. You know, uh, and then they just take that same game and just keep selling it over and over and over again every time it gets like, uh, you know, um, traded in. That's that's kind of how it works. So, you know, the game could have been sold to game like GameStop could have sold. I'm talking about the same exact physical copy of a game five, six, seven times. The publisher only gets paid once for it. You know, publishers don't like that shit. You know, they, they they want to get paid. Like, they'd rather have people buying new copies of the game than used copies of the game. 
So how do publishers respond to that? Well, we saw um, quite a few things that happened in games, I would say probably starting around 2008, 2009-ish, maybe. Actually, let's, let's actually be more... Let's say closer to 2010. Um, one of the first things that I saw was something that broke my heart and this improper use of DLC. Because DLC, actually, we did an entire, I think, um, we did it like, with the original MASHcast. We did an entire show about the great idea that DLC was and how it became a disappointment. Because when you first had DLC, it was like, oh, great, there's this game I really love to play, and now they can extend the game. Like, that is fucking awesome. That's amazing. But what ended up happening with DLC is that publishers tried to use DLC as a way to get people to stop trading in the game. And that led to DLC content that should have been in the game getting chopped up into DLC, you know? Like cliffhangers left at the end of the game. Like, okay, if you want to get the rest of the story, you need to hold on to this game and get the DLC a little bit later. Or you, you can know? trade it in and then buy it again when the DLC finally comes out for like 10 bucks. Right. You could do that too. <laughs> but still, with the DLC, they're still getting more money. Right. You know, they're still getting more money than it would if you just constantly rebought the game. So that was, that was one of the big things that kind of bothered me. Uh, that, you know, we saw Game Shop DLC, even though, I mean, let's be honest, eventually DLC would have turned out anyway because they want, they would probably want to force people uh, to buy the DLC, one. Two, if you have the content already created, if that was if that was the content that was budgeted already, and then you take it and lock it behind DLC, that's just additional money you're going to get. It's not like DLC now. DLC now is a little bit different. In some cases, sometimes we definitely see parts of games that should have been in the game uh, behind DLC. Hi, Destiny. That's a dollar <laughs> for the jar. <laughs> you know, we still see that today. But in many cases, DLC is used to um, keep people working. You know, DLC is budgeted outside of the original game budget in a lot of cases right now. This is not going to turn into an episode about DLC, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, DLC is a little different in the way it's handled right now versus when, you know, they were just first trying to use DLC basically as a mechanism to get people to stop trading their games in. Do you think um, games as a service would be um, as prominent as it is now if it, like, weren't for used games? Like, if used games, like, and, and they were trying to make their money through some kind of way, like if games as a service would have been in a different location or if they wouldn't have really existed as much as they do now. I think it still would have been as prominent. Yeah. Um, I do. I still, I do because the industry is always looking for ways to make more money. And sometimes when they find those ways to make more money, they figure out that, it's actually not just a way to make more money, but it's more efficient. So why not go with this model over that model? And I think games as a service is one of those models, right? Because look at Street Fighter. Uh, instead of having to pump out new versions of Street Fighter every year, they just put out its seasons, right? It's the same game. It's the same engine. Uh, but instead of having to literally get a, a, a new production cycle, get new SKUs, get new stuff into stores. Like, 
they don't even have to deal with all that anymore. They don't have to worry about getting a new version of Street Fighter into a store when your users can just download it uh, the latest uh, season. You know, so I think yeah, we would have we would saw it being as prominent anyway. But yeah, the the the, the DLC thing, the DLC thing was a problem. The bigger problem I had was with forced multiplayer. Which believe, a lot of people were probably wondering why some of their favorite games like Dead Space had a multiplayer, and that was a misguided attempt to keep you from trading in the game. I think even Uncharted, which Uncharted had a, 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 a multiplayer? Three. I want to say three. Was it Uncharted three? And The Last of Us had a multiplayer too, didn't it? Oh, I don't. I think it did. I thought it didn't. <laughs> I actually don't know. Yeah, The Last of Us multiplayer. The Last of Us had a multiplayer, uh, which I didn't play. Um, I've never heard about it, so I, I... Because nobody cared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nobody cared. But The Last of Us had a multiplayer, so why are these games that are definitely built for single-player experience, and all three I mentioned, Dead Space, Uncharted, The Last of Us, built for single-player experience, why do they have multiplayer? They had multiplayer. Because the developers said thought that, that was the best way to keep the game in your hands versus getting traded in. That's what that's why. And the reason that effect that, that's bad, and both of the things I've mentioned so far, DLC and forced multiplayer, they're both they both negatively impacted the consumer because it's not like the publisher paid more money for there to be multiplayer in the game. They have the same exact budget for the game. And said, in this game, you're going to have a single player and you're going to have a multiplayer. And we're not going to pay you more for it. Like, you got to do it within this budget. So you're taking away uh, development dollars that could have been used for better single player experience, a longer single player experience, a more refined single player experience. And you're taking that and you're putting it into multiplayer that nobody's going to play. Nobody fucking cares about Dead Space multiplayer. I mean, that's kind of like why they're doing stuff with Call of Duty the way that they're doing it, because it's like, well, Battle Royale is really big and nobody really cares about people do care about story, but nobody cares about story. So instead of being able to focus on all three because they wouldn't be able to, they had to cut something which should have been Battle Royale. That shouldn't have been a thing, but it's okay. They they can make their mistakes. Yeah, that was confusing me because they could have always added that. Yeah. A little later. Yeah. You know? They have all uh, Call of Duty was going to have a huge install base anyway, right? And they could have added it a, a little bit later. Um, not to mention, I'm sorry, but your battle royale game's not going anywhere unless it's free to play. So, yeah, they could have released that separately. But we're not going to turn this into a what Activision should have done show. <laughs> We'd be here all night. It's fine. Yeah, but um, no, like this is these things have greatly negative. They, they've negatively affect the consumers because the games that you were playing could have been better, you know, could have been a little, a little longer. I mean, we kind of got lucky. I've got to be honest with both the last of us and uncharted because those games were still full and complete. By the time you finish those games, you should be satisfied. Um, even dead space. So I would say even with dead space, we got lucky, but there were definitely some games that were not like, it's like, dude, they wasted this money on this multiplayer and the game could have been so much better. I was excited for the game and then it didn't work out that great, you know? Um, so I guess I gave some bad examples cause those games turned out. Okay. Uh, except dead space three. Sorry. So no, I was going to say dead space yeah. three. I don't think was that great, but I can't play those games. So it's fine. 
I'm not. You old. can't play Dead Space games. Yeah, I'm not old enough yet. <laughs> I think once you get past jump scares, you're okay. Cause that's what Dead Space <sighs> used a lot. Joel Couture, um, who used to you know work on the site, he used to write editorials for us. Man, I think he tore Dead Space a new asshole one time about how it wasn't scary. He plays actual horror games like um, Amnesia. Like that's a horror game. I and even, was so stressed watching my friend watching my friend play Outlast. I was literally like watching with my hands on my face and I was like peeking through my fingers to the point where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I <laughs> helped Crash Tag beat PT because I did all the puzzle parts. But that was it. Like when there were no, no puzzle things going on, I'm like, I'm not, I can't. I'm just going to text. Can't do I didn't this. know there were puzzles in PT. I never really like, played it. It's it's like more. Uh, it's not like. I thought you just keep walking through the same doors. <laughs> you do, but there's like certain puzzles and stuff that like. There's one part where it's like um, it says on the wall like "Welcome to Hell" or something like that, and if you turn and look at the wall and you turn away, like those numbers or letters start going on the wall by the phone, and then it rings and you pick it up. It's not like huge puzzles, but it's still like little things that you have to do. Like, I would be like, oh, go there, do that, you know, do that. But the second, like, that's not happening, I look away. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Now I was going to say puzzles and PT. Like, I literally just thought it was you walking through the house, like, over and over and over again. It is, but sometimes you get stuck in that loop, and there's certain things you have to do, like go in the bathroom and see the fetus in, in the sink, or look through the hole on the outside of the bathroom, or it's like, right. it's, it's it was weird. I couldn't do it. I, I gotcha. was stressing watching him play Resident Evil 7. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <I> can... <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, the force multiplayer thing was a huge blow, and they really didn't stop. That went on from like, I want to say like 2011 to like 2015, maybe 2016. You know, like I was surprised when Wolfenstein came out, and it did not have a multiplayer. Doom did, like, right? What? Doom did, but yeah. that well, I don't think that was forced, like in my opinion. Like I didn't feel like a forced multiplayer. Like I think Doom, like people complained about the Doom multiplayer, but I think it's they complained about it because it wasn't Quake. It wasn't. Like it, <laughs> it's Doom. It's not it's not supposed to be Quake. It's Doom. I actually enjoyed the Doom multiplayer. Um, but you know, it is what it is. But yeah, like around twenty I would say up to we saw the we felt the effects of that for a while. And um I think one of the reasons why we got away from it is because of games as a service. And, you know, you don't have to force multiplayer as, when you do games as a service anymore. You know, actually, some, it, what it really feels like is that each publisher is really trying to find their games as a service game. Mm -hmm. And that game is making them a ton of money. Uh, funny thing about it, well, technically speaking, Activision, Blizzard, same company. I was going to say Activision doesn't have a games-as-a-service game, but Activision proper doesn't feel like it has a games-as-a-service game. But, you know, they're linked at the hip to Blizzard, which Blizzard had all of Blizzard games are games-as-a-service. It's just their model they have now. Um, you know, Valve has Dota, um, Riot League of Legends, obviously. EA does not have a games-as-a-service game right now that I can think of. They rely strictly on yearly releases, which is why they push Madden and FIFA, all that stuff out every year. I gotta, honestly, that's probably their biggest breadwinners right there. They're, I wonder well, if uh, they'll games. try to push Anthem in that direction. 
Yeah, maybe the game Anthem must probably be their games as a service type of of game. I mean, technically, I, mean, I guess they do have the old Republic game too, but none of that stuff is making them a ton of money right now. You know, like everybody else has their games as a service game. Like Ubisoft has Rainbow Six, like his game is making them shit tons of money. Capcom has Street Fighter Five. You know, like it's it's it, 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 these games are really doing it for them. So I, I don't mind. I think we, we, we did talk about games of service before. I don't mind games of service as long as the pricing is appropriate for whatever the service cost is going to be. You know, as long as you feel like it's worth it. Because Destiny tried to be games as a service for Activision, or I guess technically speaking, that is their games as a service game because they're supporting it via DLC over multiple years. Uh, but the value doesn't feel worth it. Even the hardest core of Destiny players are saying that now. Um, you know, so that's that, that that's kind of the deal. But you know, games as a service is doing something that can is doing. It, it did break up that force multiplayer thing, which I thought was cool. But you want to say something, Christina? Is that two dollars for the Destiny jar, or is that still considered one? Because you brought it up again, that was kind of negative. I wasn't hating on it though right that was a really valid point mm, uh that's i'll leave that to you we'll say a dollar fifty yeah but um that all came from you know those two examples came from used game sales making so much money and Polish is not getting anything another thing that caught that was brought Fourth, because of used game sales and trying to get ahead of it, was the original Xbox One launch. Probably one of Microsoft's biggest issues with their launch is how they impl- like how they talked about the implementation of the Xbox One, right? Where it always had to be online and your games registered to your account, and you could not sh- like just pass pass a disc and share it off. You could, now, I think it was like. You had to pay ten dollars to get a new code for that disc, or something like that. You would have to pay ten dollars to get a new code for the disc, or you would have to transfer the license. Okay. You could do a license transfer too, but nobody wanted to hear that. <laughs> nobody wanted to hear that you would have to go through these these processes. I, like you, n- not only have to get your friend the disc, but now you also have to go onto the Xbox or go into the account and transfer it to another person. I think, Which is also still. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it. okay. Uh, like the the things that they were trying to do, I, I don't think it's necessarily what they said is how they said it. Like they were really awful when they were saying things, and when they were yeah, asked, the delivery about, was oh, not great. And then when they were pushed about it, their answers were even worse. Yes, the delivery was absolutely horrible. But I mean. One thing I was thinking about when they were talking about having to lock your these games into your account, I was like, that is a tremendous way to get people to try to steal your accounts. Like, you have these games locked on your account. Now I steal your username and password, right? I steal your username and password. I hack into your account and I transfer all your licenses to me. Done. Like, you know, that would have been that 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 would the Xbox Xbox is like you know. um Internal security department just would not have been able to handle that shit at all. <laughs> like it would have been too much. But yeah, the original Xbox One launch, mainly like I said, locking the games to a specific account, um, was there to actually lure publishers to want to publish more so on the Xbox than the PlayStation Four. 
Because, hey, you put it on the PS4, people can take your games and trade it in. But if you put it on the Xbox, that's, they can't really do that. So it's going to be great, right, guys? <laughs> guys? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sony's rebuttal was the greatest to that. So that's that was... The, yeah. Did they play that before or after their conference? It was like right after their no, conference. No, that was or... during the conference. <laughs> like there was the next day. It was the the next. Was it the next day? It, it was might in the have evening. Been the same day because Microsoft's conference was like 10 a.m. and Sony's conference was like 9 p.m. So they definitely did have enough time to put that together. Yeah, I think it was the same day. How to share a game on the PlayStation Four? Like yeah, <laughs> like that. That it was. It was like the same day. So those are three huge examples of what, ha- like the industry's response to used games, um, and how they all have affected consumers. Like none of that stuff, like that's all affected us. That affected uh, how games were made, how they were sold, everything, you know. And and now like developers are just looking for a constant revenue stream. So that's where games as a service is right now. Um, I mean, used games aren't all bad. There's like positives to used games. Like I know I've gotten myself some old games that I was really looking uh, to play and never got a chance on the cheap because they were old now and I was able to go pick it up. Now it's not as, as huge as a problem as it used to be now because now we have they're like, well, you can just download it on the Xbox. Well, yeah, you couldn't always do that, okay, Chief? <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't always just go and download the, an old game. Also, it's always um, a nice feeling to be able to. I'm I'm still reserved about digital, and I feel like that's just how things are going to be. But it's still a nice feeling of actually holding that game in your hand, like just having it, but like owning it. Yeah, like it is nice. Like I actually, I still have I have copies of some games that I'll never touch again because it's just nice at the physical copy. Like I have the original Kingdom Hearts in the hologram box, the original Kingdom Hearts in the hologram box. I have the original. Metal Gear Solid 2 in the original box, you know, stuff like that. Actually, I think I have the Zone of Enders, uh, I think I have the Zone of Enders demo in there too. So, um, but yeah, no, it is, it is, it is nice to have it. Not to mention it gives people access to games that they may not be able to afford. Like, you know, I'm not talking about when GameStop sells a game at $55 because the new one's 60. I'm talking about, you know, uh, the game price comes down a little bit, or the trade-in price, uh, the, the the used price comes down a little bit. You know, maybe the half because it's just not selling that much; it's not in demand anymore. And now you can get have you know experience these games that you weren't able to before. Which still to to today is not as big of as a problem as it used to be, uh, because now you can just wait for Microsoft to have a digital sale, Sony to have a digital sale, Steam to have a digital sale. So. You know the benefits of used games are depleting, are like depleting more and more and more and more all the time. Yeah, I mean, I only really pick up pre-owned games if it's not if it's like, oh, this game came out, but let me wait a couple of weeks until it's pre-owned and then I'll buy it. I wait until like they drop if I if I'm like kind of interested because if it's a game that I'm kind of like super interested in playing, I'm gonna buy that new anyway. I'm not gonna wait that long. I'm impatient. I'm gonna buy it, play it for two hours, and then go back to Pokemon Crystal. You know. Um, but like Yakuza, I just picked up and I still need to beat that. So you don't, you don't have to tell me about that. Um, but I picked up Yakuza, uh, which I wouldn't have picked up new cause I didn't want to spend 
money on something that I wasn't sure of and I didn't want to buy it down like digitally because like digital returns aren't like great. Um, so I was like, whatever, it's pre-owned, it's 20 bucks, let me try it out. And it's a great game and I would have never probably um, tried it if it was only digital or if I could only buy it new because I would have been like, it's not worth it. What if I don't like it? Whatever. So that's like a huge benefit for me for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these days, I, I mean, I can't remember the last time I bought a pre-owned game. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, because like most of my gaming is done on PC right now. But even you know, like Shadow of the Colossus, I was like, I'm gonna go pick that up, and then it was on sale for like twenty dollars. You know, I was like, oh, okay, fine, I'll do that. You know, uh, when I tell people about Horizon Zero Dawn, I'm like, oh, that shit's like super dope and it's super cheap now so you should probably just go you know download it off of the playstation store or something like that um so yeah i mean like like i said the 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 case for used games being a positive really isn't a strong one right now i mean it'd be different if you were just trading games with somebody you know because like you know you don't have extra money to buy a new game somebody else doesn't have money to buy a new game so you trade the games that you want to play that's a little bit of a different story right that but that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about the actual used games market. Um, I don't know. I haven't been in a long time, but they used to have cheapassgamer.com. dot com. I'm pretty sure it's still up. I've never, never been, been there. In before? No, I've n- actually you know, never heard of it before. Really? Yeah. Cheapassgamer.com. dot com. Pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. Uh, it has all these. Uh, if you go there, it just has a bunch of like games for cheap, like eat whether it is like you know uh, pre-owned games like in the forums, or they just keep track of games going on sale. Oh shit! I just in- introduced Christina to a new favorite thing, possibly. Uh oh, there goes my money. <laughs> yep. Not that much though, because they're cheap. Exactly. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there you go. If you uh, never heard of cheapassgamer.com, you're welcome. <laughs> are these digital? What is this? Okay, I'll look into some it. Some of them are digital. It's fine. Yeah, some are physical. I wouldn't dig too deep into it right now. Yeah, I'm not going to. <laughs> I just closed it. It's okay. Right. So yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge proponent. I have for for some time. I haven't been a huge proponent of pre you know own games. I mean, I understand that some you know not everybody's made out of money. And it's really helpful when you want to sell, you know, a game to get another one. But I, I like whenever I sell used games, it's usually like in bulk because I'm not using the console anymore or something like that. It's like, okay, here you go. Take all this. And I usually get trash money for it. Um, even though it wasn't that bad when I traded in my Vita and stuff. Um, to yeah, get you the got Switch. like a couple of, you got a game and a controller and a digital game. Yeah. Well. I did. You did well. <laughs> in the pre in the in the used games game, I did well. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah, so. my question is if if companies do start uh in the future pushing towards getting rid of not even pre owned, but like physical copies of games, because I feel like that can start happening because the digital market is so big, uh, that they would actually start going after people who game share because I don't think game share was necessarily meant to be shared with people outside of your household. I think it was meant for like a household with two Xboxes and your family wants to play the same game or whatever. Instead of buying the copy like five times, you only have to buy it once or twice. 
and everybody could play. Right. Whereas you have people who are like, yeah, my best friend, like five states over, has my account on their Xbox, and we just flip, buy one copy of this game and play it together. Like, you're, I think, I don't know if that would be considered stealing, but you're only paying for one copy of the game to share it with somebody else. Like, do you think that if pre-owned or physical goes away that they might start cracking down on that? I don't think so. I think you'd have to be game sharing your account with a bunch of different people. Which you that's, can't if, really do. Exactly. Like that that's the thing. Like if it's just like one or two people, they're gonna be like, ah, fuck it. Like, <laughs> you know, like whatever. Um, they'll try to find a way to entice people to have their own accounts. I mean, even like if it may be against the service though. Like if you look at Blizzard's terms of service, it is against their terms of service for you to share your account with somebody else. Like they can literally ban your account for that. Well, that's not they, really if, how if that how game sharing works. So, like, if my primary name is on somebody else's Xbox, when they're on their account, they have access to all my stuff because I'm the primary and everybody gets access to that. So, if you switch right. primaries, so I wouldn't be using the same Blizzard account as somebody else. We'd be using our own accounts. It's just we have access to it. So it would be more on a Sony slash Microsoft side that we'd be taking. Right, no, I see what you're saying, but I'm just saying they could put it like in their terms of service, like they can word it like if you, you, this is only for somebody in your household, right? This is right. like you know game sharing or somebody at you at your physical residence, you know, they could say and then make everything else illegal, and, or not necessarily illegal, but like you can lose your account or you can get your account banned for doing this. Whether they take action on it or not is a different story. I don't think they're gonna take action because um, you know people account share all the time. Like I'll be on, I'll be playing Overwatch. And somebody will let somebody hop onto their account because they need to play in a lower SR. Uh, you know, that is a bannable offense. Right. And on the Blizzard launcher. And you can lose access to everything. But they don't usually take uh, action on it. Right. So I, th- I think it depends on what you're doing, you know? Yeah. I mean, like I said, with that, it's different because I feel like if you already have your own account and you're just using somebody else's whatever, but this is literally stealing because you can play the same game that you've paid for once on two separate accounts as long as you have it set up correctly right so i don't know i feel like if it becomes more of an issue they might try to jump on it especially if it's like they're trying to make more money in that format i think it'll be that's like a little fire scenario right like you have a bunch of just little fires going on and they'll just spend way more time and resources trying to put out those little fires than if they only waited for, or if they only dealt with the big ones, like they deal with the bigger pinners. Kind of like how they deal with people who, with MP3s, that's how they used to do it before, you know? Right. That's kind of how it worked. Um, where, you know, you had to be a pretty big offender to get caught for that. <laughs> Not just a few files across your friends, you know? Right. So... Um, but yeah, I think we can go ahead and wrap up on that. Unless you got anything else? No, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, so before we get into our post-show dialogue, there are two announcements I think we have. Um, one change that we're making, which is probably the biggest change, is that instead of going bi-weekly with the show, we're actually going to go to a more seasonal format. So what does that mean? Uh, that means that we will be recording episodes ahead of time and releasing them back to back. Like, um, you know, we'll have eight to 12 weeks of straight episodes, probably closer to eight. Let's be real. 
So like, you know, particles of the eight episodes of like episodes that we're going to release weekly back to back to back to back every week for eight weeks. And then the show takes a little bit of a hiatus for us to regroup and get new episodes, you know, recorded and, you know, um, um, produced and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, after the hiatus, we're going to come back with another set of episodes. So that's after we, we talked for a little bit and we figured, you know, with the way uh, things are going and everybody's schedules, that that'll probably be the best way to go. Not to mention, like I said, you'll, like, you know, for you know, a certain set of weeks straight, you're going to get all new episodes, right? So uh, that's a major change that's coming to the show. Um, the second change, and that's not going to start immediately. We're going to do another show two weeks from now. And after that show, we will hope be switching to the seasonal format. So after the next show, which is going to be episode 15, we will be taking a bit of a hiatus. All right. And have some new episodes out. Um, you know, I would say maybe if just a few, like, you know, four, maybe five or six, uh, you know, that we can get out before the new year. And then, you know, we'll maybe have a bit of a longer season after the new, the new year comes. Um, and also, another change we're making is that we're going to be, we're not getting rid of the What You've Been Playing section, um, but we're going to put it somewhere else. Like, basically, we're going to take it out of these episodes, and we're going to put it into their own episodes as bonuses. Uh, so that people who want to just get to the topic that we're talking about, they're going to come into the show, and boom, they will be at the topic. You know, that's what's, they'll, they'll be able to get, ex, ex, you know, they'll be able to get to what they came for, basically. And then for everybody else who is interested, and, you know, the conversations we have about what we've been playing, you know, we'll have those out in another episode as a bonus. So, all right, so those are two major changes, and if you have any questions or comments, concerns, you know, reach out to us on Twitter or on Discord or whatever, and we're going to get into all that now, actually. You know, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Um, you can find us, well, you, 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 I mentioned earlier, you could follow MTB site on Twitter if you want to keep up with Mash's buttons and what's going on with the MASHcast. Um, Christina, you want to go ahead and give me your social yeah. Media info? Yeah, so all my social medias are at S'mores Pop-Tart. S'mores is with a Z at the end. Um, and you can find me on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. I really don't use Facebook anymore, so don't follow me there, please. <laughs> Facebook is really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 there's a lot of people not using Facebook this, you know, you know, around this time, but we'll leave that alone. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Church of Ja, and uh, you can follow me on Twitch at the Mash Those Buttons Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. Uh, that's where um, I stream. Well, we stream Watch More Radio every Tuesday night, and I also stream some other games that I, I, I play so on that channel, so you can check me out there. Uh, like I just mentioned, we uh, I'm on another show, Watchpoint Radio. We record that on Tuesdays nights, and we publish on our podcast platforms on Wednesdays. So if you can't make it to the stream, you can check out you know whatever your podcast platform of choice is. You can just check us out there. Just search for Watchpoint Radio. It's a Overwatch show. It's the best Overwatch show. It is the Overwatch show. I can say that because I'm on it. So, <laughs> uh, but we'd love to have you join our 
Discord community, which is discord.me slash mash those buttons. So you can come in, you can talk about what you heard on this show, or you know, what you know, if you want to talk about Overwatch, you want to talk about fighting games, you know, we have people there that talk about all that stuff. So um when we encourage you guys to, you know, reach out to us um with comments and questions. So you can reach out to us via social media like Twitter or uh you can email us at contact at and we'll try to address your comments on the show. And if you enjoy the show, you want to help, uh, you know, help us out. The best way to do that is to share the show with others and rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if you've done that so far for the Mashcast, we really do appreciate that. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. And uh, yeah, you should stay tuned after the show to hear about our other show. So with that, we are done here. Thanks a lot, guys. And we will catch you later. See ya. Thank you for choosing a Mash Those Buttons podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to subscribe to one of our shows, you can find us on multiple podcast platforms across iOS and Android. Just search for the show on a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and hit subscribe. If you can't find us on your favorite podcast platform of choice, just go right to the MashThoseButtons.com website, grab the RSS feed, and put it into your podcatcher of choice. If you want to check out some other podcasts you may enjoy, you should check out mashosbuttons.com slash shows. For World of Warcraft fans, we have two podcasts, WoW Talk, which is our news and community podcast, and The Torn and the Goblin, which is our lore and story podcast. If you enjoy Overwatch, make sure to check out Watchpoint Radio to keep up with the latest on Overwatch and its community. If you enjoy fighting games, make sure you check out Double Tap for the latest in the FGC. If you're a fan of The Division or looking forward to The Division 2, make sure you check out Sit Rep Radio. If you want to keep up with the latest that mash those buttons, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mtbsite, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, and youtube.com slash mash those buttons. We'd also like to have you join our Discord community. So just go to discord.me slash mash those buttons and join us for a chat. Once again, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.